Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. Who enjoyed the last, just really briefly, last three weeks on Sabbath? Who has been in church for this Sabbath series? If you didn't make it to church, can I just encourage you, uh, get online, check it out, because um, it was a phenomenal three-week series that Pastor Luke brought. And he asked some really poignant questions of each one of us. And, and one of them was really what stirred my thinking about what God wanted to share today. And uh, I don't want to rehash his message because this isn't like part four of the Sabbath series by any stretch of the imagination. But all that to say that throughout the series, there were some great questions that he asked that created internal reflection. And for me personally, has been uh, such a great couple of weeks, uh, you know, as someone who likes to live uh, life quite fast and quickly. uh, My wife likes to remind me to slow down. And, uh, and as we learned, trusting in God is a recipe for rest. And so today I'd really want to share with you this idea around building with purpose. And uh, so let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you this morning that you are here with us. That, Father, as we go through this message, Father, I just pray that what you've been stirring within my heart all week will be words that truly do inspire us as a church to rise up collectively for all that you are asking of us. And so, Father, today I just pray, let your will be done, not mine. I stand aside and I simply ask, Father, have your way across this service. Speak to every individual, open hearts, open minds, and collectively, God, as we capture what you're trying to share with us, I pray that you would just begin to move in power and we will make room for you in Jesus name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, in November of 2016, the most incredible thing took place. I'm sure there was lots of things that happened, but in Japan, in one of the southern towns of Japan, there was this um, incident that happened. I mean, Japan, if you've ever been there, is a highly busy country. There's always lots going on. There's just incredible amounts of people jam-packed into what is predominantly a relatively tiny island. And in November of 2016, at the start, I think it was about the 2nd of November, all of a sudden, out of the blue, a sinkhole appeared in a major intersection in one of the towns. And I think I've got a picture just to show you how major this thing was. It was 30 metres across, 27 metres wide, and about 15 metres deep. It was caused because they were trying to do some construction on one of the underground railway areas and extended or something like that. And out of nowhere, without any um, expectation from the crew that were doing the constructing, it just dropped out. Now, you can picture it. Picture this being like, you know... I'm going to say like Queen Street or somewhere down in our CBD that's a major intersection. I mean, you can pretty much just picture it because it's been like that for a few years. But, you know, the chaos, the chaos that it would cause uh, in an intersection where the ground just completely disappears. But what I love about this is this is a real picture of what happens when people come together when they use their skills, when they use the talents that they have, when they collectively come and with a united collective purpose, what can be achieved? You see, not only did the sinkhole destroy the road, but it destroyed electricity. 
It had destroyed gas. It destroyed water supply, sewerage. All of these things, the traffic lights disappeared, the lights overhead. It was absolute chaos that ensued. However, six days later, at 5 a.m. on the 8th of November, the intersection reopened fully safe after being checked off and without any further delay, the city was restored back to this incredible intersection that moved thousands and thousands and thousands of cars. You see, what we see here isn't just good old-fashioned Japanese efficiency and workmanship. It's the outworking of a collective purpose to see an outcome reached that was bigger than any of the individuals that actually took part. You see, we as a church are in a year of come follow me. It's our theme and we are on a journey as a church to discover what true discipleship looks like. We're a church that's committed to creating pathways for you and I to discover spiritual friends, to have sacred encounters with a divine purpose in mind. But more than that, we not just have a vision as a church, but we have a mission that we would want to see people belong. This is a place where people can come and belong. We are a place where people can believe in Jesus. It's a choice to follow him. But we also have a mission as a church to build. And today I want to talk about building with purpose. A commitment, our mission statement says, to live on purpose. So the question that I want to underpin today with is this, what does it look like if we as a church, and the church is us, it's you and I, if we would capture what it truly means to live a life of purpose? It's not just about our individual purpose this morning. I'm not just wanting to talk about, okay, what can I do and what can I bring? That's part of it. But what I want to recapture this morning is that when we collectively choose and make a commitment to live on purpose as individuals with a collective purpose, what could God do? What could he build? And as I began to think about this in my life over the last series of weeks as I've been preparing for today, I began to think about the story of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, we see how he, is, he hears news of the city of Jerusalem and the wall being torn down. And the Bible says that he is anguished to a place where he mourns and weeps for days and days and he seeks after the Lord. The Bible says that he prays and he fasts. It's the city of his ancestors and the wall that was designed to protect the city had been completely destroyed. So Nehemiah goes to the king and he says, if it would please you, would you allow me to go back to rebuild the city? Now you've got to remember, Nehemiah wasn't a construction worker. <laughs> he was a cupbearer to the king. So the fact of him asking was this revelation that he had from God and this burden deep within him to say, my life needs to count for something more. What I can do, what I can bring has to count for something more. It was destroyed by the Babylonians, but I believe that collectively we can rebuild this wall. But not only that, I love it. As, a, as an Aussie, I think the cheek of this is great. Hey, King. Not only do I want to go on an extended vacation, but can you pay for it? Yeah. 
Can you just write me a list and write me a letter so that everywhere I go, I can get the wood that I need, I can get the workers, you can give me protection from the enemies, all these things. I just think it's so good. But when we read this story, the power isn't just in what Nehemiah brings. It's not just in the power of what his purpose and what he felt for himself. It was that how he used that purpose, that personal revelation that he had to collectively unite a people to achieve something that was bigger than himself. I don't know about you, but so much of my life I've been trained, I've been taught. People speak into your life about what is your purpose. And purpose becomes something that's personal. It becomes something that maybe each one of us just channel all of our efforts in. But today I'd love to encourage us that as a church, that yes, your purpose is personal. But God designed each and every one of us and he created each and every one of us with a purpose in mind to unify and collectively come together so that we can achieve more than we could ever even think we could have done in the first place. I think Roger Allen, who is a psychologist and the founder of the Human Development Institute, puts the definition of purpose in such a great way. He says, your purpose can be thought of as a reason for being and defines the contribution that you want to make to the world, whether it's your community or others. And as such, it connects you with something bigger than yourself by focusing us on the larger good. You see, purpose asks the question, who am I and why am I here? Who are you and why are you here? This week, as I've been thinking about this and as I've been on this journey, I've been so encouraged by the fact that it actually gives me great joy to know that my purpose isn't just about what I can do, but it's about focusing my eyes and bringing my life to a place where I can do something that is bigger than myself. You see, our purpose is an active expression of the deepest dimensions within us, where we have a profound sense of who we are and why we're here. You see, it declares why you exist. It captures the very heart of why you're on this earth, but more than that, why Jesus died for you. You see, purpose defines your life, not in terms of what you think, but about what God thinks. It anchors our life to the character and the call of God. And as I reflected on that, I began to think and go, okay, God, well, this is how you've wired me. This is how you've designed me. This is how you've created me. But why do I exist? What can I bring to the collective purpose that is the church? What can I bring to the collective purpose of the people around me, the community that I do life with, in order to see us all move ahead? And I came to this realization this week that as people of faith and believers of Jesus, it is our divine and collective purpose that actually helps to centralize our efforts towards the very reason that we are here. And it's two things. The first is to glorify the name of Jesus. You see, church, we exist as, as a community of believers. We exist with a purpose to glorify the name of Jesus. I love what Colossians 1.15 says. It says, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created 
everything in the heavenly realms and here on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rules, authorities of an unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. You see, everything that we are called to do on this earth, every part of the purpose that we carry individually is about collectively coming together with a purpose to glorify the name of Jesus. And the second thought that I had was that we are here to build his church. You know, Matthew 16 is a great conversation between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus is asking them about who, he, who the people say that he is. And they give a whole bunch of answers. And in verse 15, he says to them again, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replies, Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are now Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, I love when I read these two particular verses that everything was created through him and for him. When we live our life through the lens that everything that you and I do, the reason we exist, the reason that we are here for something bigger than ourselves is that everything we do is to bring honour and glory to Jesus. But more than that, it's not just about bringing honour and glory, it's about taking that and channeling it into a collective purpose of building His church. I love that despite the fact that He doesn't need us, He chooses us. I love the fact that despite he doesn't need us to build his church, he offers you and I an opportunity to partner with him. I mean, after all, he's God, right? He's God. He doesn't need it. But he says, you know what? I would love to take the purpose, the reason that I've created you, and bring it together to build his church together. And I love that when we allow ourselves to live on purpose with a focus that's something bigger than we ourselves can exist for, then we will definitely see the church really begin to impact and change our generation with the reality of Jesus. But more than that, as I said earlier, when we capture the heart of why we are on earth, but more than that, why Jesus died, it defines our life. This is not just a statement of faith, church. It's not just something that we can speak. It's not just a a few words on a page, but it is a statement of why we are here and what you and I are called to do. You see, if God chooses to partner with us and to live a life of purpose, then it's our responsibility to actually discover the personal purpose that God has for each and every one of us so that We can take hold of it, we can capture it, and then collectively we can bring it to the table in order to achieve something bigger than ourselves. Just as we saw with the sinkhole in Japan, when each one of those workers captured why they were there and what they were there to do, collectively they were able to achieve something that blows my mind that you could rebuild something like that in simply six days. Or maybe the same with Nehemiah, when he collectively brought his purpose and challenged the people to come together, it's amazing that they were able to rebuild the walls 
of Jerusalem. So today I wanted to give you three quick thoughts on how we can build a collective purpose together. You ready? First thought is this, that our collective purpose is built on our personal revelation. What's the personal revelation that you have from Jesus about why you are here? about why you exist. And as we couple it with the reason of why he died, we have the ability to create room for God to say, okay, this is the personal revelation for you. Do you live out of a personal revelation of why you're here? Is everything you do built on a foundation of why you're here? The decisions that you make, the life you live, the priorities we have, they all come from a personal revelation that we can build on together. I was reading recently in Mark, and even Jesus knew why he was here. It says in Mark 1, 35 to 39, we'll jump to verse 38. It says, but Jesus replied, we must go on towards, uh, to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. You see, he'd been doing all these amazing miracles in the city that it was in, but he knew that ultimately why he was here was bigger than just the city of miracles that he was doing. It was bigger than the footprint in which he'd been operating, and he knew that he needed to go beyond where he was. So the Bible says that he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Paul Paul knew why he was here. Paul knew what his divine purpose was. Paul had a personal revelation about why God had put him on earth. In Galatians 1, you can read it in verse 12. It says, I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. But even before I was born, it says in verse 15, God chose me. He called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal the son, his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. You know, when I read these two verses, I was just overawed by the fact that even Jesus had a personal revelation about why he was here. And out of that, the decisions he made, the journey he went on, the conversations that he had, the way he lived his life was first established by a collective purpose that was built on personal revelation. I love the fact that freedom in this comes in knowing that you don't need to create a purpose for your life. We simply need to discover it. Jesus has, God has a purpose for your life. God wants you to build his church. God wants you to magnify and glorify the name of Jesus in all you do. Our job is simply to discover what part we get to play. I love that Nehemiah even said this. And when he went to the town of Jerusalem, when he went to the city of Jerusalem and he gathered everybody together, he says, Then I told them about how gracious hand of God had been on me about my conversations with the king. And as he had his personal revelation, every single person around him, those people that wanted to build it, once again, they discovered their personal revelation too. And it says, They replied at once, Yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Do you have a personal revelation about the purpose in your life? Are you living out of this personal revelation? Have you gone to God and said, well, why am I here? What am I to bring? 
What is it that you are asking me to do? Because if we are going to be a church that builds together with a collective purpose, then it starts with personal revelation from each one of us. The second thought I had as I gone on this journey myself is that our collective purpose is built on personal passions. You know, I am very grateful, very grateful that God has given each one of us a unique gifts and unique passions. I mean, I was thinking about it this week as I was playing golf and I was lined up and it was already really slow. And I mean, this is a personal thing for me, but I thought it would be really sucky if everyone loved golf. It's already busy on the golf course. Like, how would I ever get on to play? But God gives us unique passions. He gives us unique giftings. I'm definitely not gifted. It's a passion, not a gift, just for the record, in case you're wondering. But I love the fact that it's actually a discovery of our passion that can lead to purpose. T.D. Jakes says it so well. He says, if you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. You see, when it comes to glorifying God and it comes to building His church, passions are very important. You see, God uses our passions to position us in different settings that only you or I can enter. You see, maybe you're a mum and dad and you're doing the school drop off and pick up. Well, God is using your passion about your children to position you for maybe what that is. We see athletes who use their, their fame and maybe their, their, their skill set to bring them into a place where only they can bring their passions into a different environment. We see entrepreneurs maybe in business. We see the older generation influencing others in their age bracket. We see teens in their schools, kids in their schools, whatever it is, wherever it is, whatever the passions that God has for you, can I encourage you? Allow God to use those passions to position you into a place where you can understand God's got me here for a reason but he uses our gifts to build the church I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 12 12 to 13 the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body so it is with the body of Christ some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles some are slaves and some are free but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. It goes on to say in verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of us together are Christ's body. Each of you has a part to play. You know, can I encourage us that when we capture the heart behind what God is doing in and through each one of us, when we capture the fact that God's given us unique passions, when we capture the fact that God's given us unique gifts and we bring them into his house to build collectively, it is amazing to see what God can do. Your part might be different to play, but it is still necessary. Just as all of the parts of the body are necessary in order for us to function the best that we possibly can, to live out the plans, to live out the purposes of God, so too is your purpose, so too is your gift, so too are your passions needed for us as a church to continue to live out the collective purpose that we have. But you see, our passions must lead to action. Because I think about it, in my life, the things that I'm passionate about, what do I generally do? I action them. 
If I'm passionate about something, I make time to do it. If I've got a gift in something, I want to make sure that I'm using it so that I don't lose it, so to speak. And we're each one of us, it's the same, not just in our own personal world, not just in our own personal revelation, but in the same way that God comes and talks to us, can I encourage us that collectively together, that is what we are doing. We're collectively building through our personal passions. And the third thought today is this, our collective purpose is built on personal surrender. I guess at the end of it all, personal revelation is great, personal passions are really good, but it's actually our personal surrender that God is looking for. Because if we all came with our personal revelation, oh, this is what God told me, and we all came with our passions and gift sets and said, this is what I want to do with them, then I'm pretty sure it would be a little bit of chaos. You imagine the building of the wall in Jerusalem. If every person came and said, well, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this and this and this, the wall never would have got built. If we think about the sinkhole in Japan and we think about all the things that could, could have gone wrong if every person said, oh, you know what? I know I'm a gas guy, but I really feel like I'm going to fix the water today. Personal surrender helps us to build a collective purpose. Jesus, once again, models it for us. In Luke 22, 42, he says this. He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Paul has a personal revelation with a personal passion, but it's underpinned by personal surrender. He says in Acts 21, when we heard this, we the local believers all begged Paul not to go. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of Lord Jesus. And when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. When we think about Nehemiah, he gave up everything he had with the king. The lifestyle, the life that he was building, the life that he was living, the relationship that he had with the king, he gave it all up because he surrendered the fact that the wall needed to be built. I turned 40 in a few days. Yep, there's some laughing. I don't know if that's like, you know, do I look 40 or not? I don't know. Yeah, scary. It is. It's scary. But as you can imagine, I've been reflecting upon my life in the last decade or so since we moved here to New Zealand. And I just want to make sure that everything that I have planned that God is part of. But ultimately, we can make all the plans we want for our life, but until we surrender them to Him. I look at my life 10 years ago and I look at my life today and I think the only thing that separated me from then and now is a surrender to what God is asking of me. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his paths. Will you allow the Lord to direct your path this morning? 
Will you allow God to speak to you about your personal revelation about what your purpose is and why you are here? Would you underpin it and gird it with this thought about why did Jesus die for me? And if He died for me so that I might live in the fullness of what He designed, then the fullness of who I am is part of something bigger. I have my part to play when it comes to the collective purpose of a believer of Jesus. It's to build His house. Six days to fix a sinkhole. Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, do you know how long it took them to rebuild the wall around the city? 52 days. That is the power of collective purpose. That is the power of what we can all achieve when we put our hands up and say, I'm here to glorify the name of Jesus. But more than that, use my gifts, use my passions to build His church. What could our church build if we were completely unified in our purpose? We're a church that's called to be a place where people can belong. We're a church that's called to be a place where people can choose to follow Jesus. But we are also called to be a church that builds together. A commitment to live on purpose. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga. Or why don't you join us at Church Online? To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org?